Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific shares are trading higher this morning. Investor focus, of course, on the U.S. elections. Seoul is up more than 1% in early trade. Tokyo is up 0.8%. Sydney is also in the green following the release of new trade figures a little more than half an hour ago. Today's positive action follows a bullish session on Wall Street overnight. More about that and the latest U.S. election updates I'll have for you. We welcome back Ryan Huang to the conversation. Ryan, how are you today? today. Morning, Michelle. Still having a bit of a hangover from the elections. Uh, I think uh, this is uh, going to be a very busy week and we are not over yet. Hopefully, the uncertainty is wrapped up before the end of the week, dare I say. Now, it will be no exagger- exaggeration to say, really, across the globe, investors and CEOs and leaders, just about everyone else has been on edge following the results of the U.S. elections mm. live. The presidential election has been a nail-biter so far. Former Vice President Joe Biden is in the lead. U.S. President Donald Trump Trump is promising legal challenges. The Republicans may have held to the U.S. Senate. And markets, well, they just don't seem to care. One headline put it this way, doomsday market predictions give way to never-ending rally. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, if you could catch us up on the electoral math, how close is Biden to a victory? Okay, the latest number I'm looking at is Biden in the lead with 264 versus Trump's 214. So this is off the back of what's happened in the past few hours. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden has won Michigan and Wisconsin. So very big wins for him. And this puts him on the brink of taking the White House. He just needs 270. So he needs one more additional state, possibly Nevada, where he's leading, or Georgia. So that is going to be... I think, materializing in the next few hours if the count gets underway and we get some progress there. And of course, things get a bit more complicated when it comes to Donald Trump and his legal challenges. So he is suing in a couple of states, saying you know, the counting was not fair, what was going on at some levels was fraud. So he is suing in Pennsylvania and Michigan to stop vote counting there. And you might even see additional legal challenges taking it all the way to the Supreme Court where he has kind of alluded to that he might take further action. But then that is another whole set of legal complications because that may not resolve things because a lot of the things, um, a lot of the resolutions need to be done at the state court level. Yeah. Yeah, and they will decide if this is a case of falsehoods being spread to cast doubt on an election. There are many counts that put Joe Biden just six points from an electoral college victory. The U.S. presidential election appears to hinge on four battleground states. You mentioned Nevada, Georgia, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. He appears to be leading in just one of the four. But that's all Joe Biden will need to reach the magic number of 270 to win. We're keeping an eye out on that number for you on our show. Ryan, let's turn to the U.S. markets. The S&P 500 enjoyed its best session in five months, rising 2.2%. Tech stocks did even better. All this despite uncertainty over the U.S. elections and despite signs that a promised blue wave did not materialize. So my question is, if current trends hold, Biden may win the presidency. The Republicans could hold on to the Senate, which would mean at least two years of divided governments. So why have markets surged, Ryan? Yeah, so going into the elections, people were expecting a blue wave, a sweep by the Democrats. But as the count and the voting progressed, 
it was pretty clear that was not going to happen. And this was a bit of a surprise. And it is likely to be tightly contested as what we are seeing right now. And what, like you pointed out, is a likely scenario. Joe Biden in the office, but with the Senate under Republican control could be one scenario. So that could mean whatever policies that Joe Biden had in mind, whatever Democrats had in mind, will have a tougher time being passed. And that includes any regulatory changes. And this includes what's been happening in the tech space, the antitrust issues, the repeal against Mm. the internet law. So all that was weighing on the tech sector and leading into the elections in the past week or so, we've been seeing investors taking profit, selling off in the tech sector. So there has been overnight some extent of short covering and people recovering to returning to the technology space because of, I guess, prospects of any major changes fading. So that is the story that we saw and the Nasdaq really outperforming. And that, I think, is an interesting turn of events in just the space of a week. Mm, Lots of swings to take note of. Now, before we segue away from U.S. markets, a headline on CNBC caught my eye. Amazon CEO Chief uh, Jeff Bezos has sold more than $3 billion worth of shares in his company this week. And that's actually just a fraction of what he sold off this year, Ryan. Do we know why Bezos is selling and if the sale has had any impact on Amazon? and share price. Yeah, you can't blame a rich guy for selling his shares to get even richer, right? So he sold off $3 billion worth of shares in his company. That's according to the latest filing. So all in this year, he has cashed out $10.2 billion. What's worth noting, this is much more than last year, where he sold $2.8 billion. So why does he need so much money? Well, according to his... Well, this is actually going to his plans. He has outlined it before he needs cash to fund his personal investments and this includes his private companies one of them is a rocket rocket startup blue origin and i'm I'm sure he has other expensive hobbies that he wants to uh, fund (laughs) so that is also including his uh charity and philanthropic efforts and this is around climate change climate change Mm -hmm. a 10 billion dollar earth fund that he um is quite uh, committed to so He is not just spending on himself, but also spending in society. So with Amazon stock price really taking off in the past year with COVID-19, I guess, why not? It is a good time to cash out. Yeah, investors don't seem to mind. Bezos has been cashing out. Amazon shares jumped more than 6% yesterday, and they're marginally lower in after hours trade. All right, let's bring the discussion back home. DBS and OCBC have both reported their third quarter earnings this morning. DBS profits dropped 20%. OCBC's profits down 12%. How does this compare with expectations? Yeah, so this is off the back of UOB yesterday as well, down 40%. And what's worth noting is, although the numbers are down, they were better than expectations. So if you look at, let's start with... um, DBS first. So DBS, we saw a drop of 20% to $1.3 billion. Markets were just looking out for $1.17 billion. And on what OCBC made, or it saw its net profit down 12% to $1.03 billion, the markets were looking out for $864.9 million. So the takeaways was we saw a bit of a hit in terms of net interest income, especially with margins being compressed. But there was slightly, I guess, offset by the growth in loans. There was also a bit of um, bright spots coming through from wealth management. In fact, DBS CEO flagged this as one of the reasons why there are better prospects ahead. Mm. And he's also looking at a pickup in credit card spending 
as one of the reasons why he thinks things could get better. And he's looking out for a strong economic rebound in Asia to fuel loan growth and fee income. And if you look at what OCBC CEO Samuel Tian said, it was a bit more cautious. Uh, he said the environment economically will be more challenging in the coming quarters. And he is a bit optimistic in the sense that he says loan repayments, once the moratorium expires, may be better than expected. But he's not sure if that can be sustained. So a bit more cautious than what DBS is saying. But all in, it is a, I guess, encouraging set of results. You are looking at a trend of growth coming back. And of course, we've been seeing bank shares down quite a bit this year, 20 to 30% or, or so. And if the global economy does turn around in the coming quarters, banks will be leading the charge. Now, how are investors reacting to these the news? I mean, DBS shares were up nearly 4% yesterday. How are they doing this morning? Okay, so it's interesting because it is a bit of a tale of two halves, so to speak. Last night, we saw banks on Wall Street down because of bond yields falling. But here in Singapore, you are looking at the banks in the green. All three of them up by over 2%. In fact, uh, OCBC leading the way in the green by 2.7%. But this is against the backdrop of, I guess, broader market sentiment. Um, and you are looking at Wall Street higher that mm. is translating to pretty much the entire Asian region uh, taking a cue from Wall Street. So most stocks are having some hit, uh, tailwinds from that uh, effect. 9.13 in the morning, DBS trading at 21.98, up 1.99%. The SDI ca- recaptured the 2,500 level yesterday, rising three quarters of a percent to 25.15. How's it doing this morning? Is it holding on to the gains? Okay, so we are looking at DBS up by 2.4% right now. 2.14%, excuse me, at $22.01. UOB is up by 2.2% at 20.25%. So all in, that is helping the STI push up higher. It was on a three-day winning streak, and right now it's up by 1.6%, 2,556. So banks helping to prop up the STI this morning. So we could be in for a four-day winning streak. Mm. Well, DBS at $22.02 now, up 2.2%. All right, let's get a check on uh, one more story on our plate this morning. That's China. Last hour's... Uh, last night, really, hours after the U.S. polls closed, a day after regulators squashed the Ant Group's planned IPO, Chinese President Xi Jinping gave a speech that aimed to reassure international investors and really ease concerns that China is turning inward. So what did Xi say? Okay, so this was an event um, called the China International Import Expo. So if you cast your mind back to what happened last year, the last time this was done, well, uh, this was in 2018, uh, he pretty much uh, announced or uses this platform to announce how China is open to trade around the world. And it's pretty mm. much the same script this time around. And what we are looking in terms of highlights is how he has reassured that international businesses will see China still being open and committed to open trade. And this is off the back of concerns around the new five-year plan where mm. he uh, pushed for a dual circulation strategy. And that pretty much means focusing a bit more on growing domestic demand, demand, quality growth, while also having the external export uh, picture also growing. So he's saying, you know, don't worry about us shutting out external trade or external third-party companies or foreign companies. Uh, we are still open for trade. What's also worth noting is uh, he has 
pushed or uh, pushed the idea for this early signing of RCEP, and that is the Regional Comprehensive Trade Agreement. Then uh, this will be it, when it gets signed later this year, as expected, will be the largest trade agreement in the world, and this will involve 15 APEC countries. China also pushed for a speed-up of negotiations for the China-EU Investments Treaty and also the future agreement between China, Japan and South Korea. So he is really pushing for more open trade. Um, of course, uh, this is off the back of trying to raise China's growth targets in the next 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. He also laid out ambitious plans to double the size of China's economy by 2035. Investors are going to like that. And they're also going to like uh, Xi's promise to continue to shrink the so-called negative list for investments. And that list contains certain sectors that are closed to foreign participation. And he promised to shorten the list of restricted technology imports as well. 9.16 on the clock. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. And you are listening to Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.